Warning, the following podcast may contain topics or issues that are sensitive and may be upsetting to some people. If anyone is disturbed or distressed by the topics covered, feel free to end the podcast at any time. Please note, peer educators are not therapists. These podcasts are not to be considered to be professional opinion. Hello and welcome to PeerCast, a casual chat with the peer educators. Uh, welcome back to episode two. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Welcome back to episode two. Anyway, in this episode, we talk about Florida International University's um, Model United Nations program. Essentially, um, it's a competitive program and, well, the details of exactly what they do is in the actual episode. But in essence, it's a competitive program. They have like debate competitions from what I can understand. And we also discuss mental health and the role of both being a peer educator and a model UN uh, delegate. And also in this episode, we discuss mental health in a broad sense and what it means to them and myself. I also say what it means to me. But <laughs> and anyway, in this episode, I'm joined by three peer educators. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. So today I'll be joined with Krishna, um, Yusuf, and uh, Sophie. Um, I guess you guys can start off in introducing yourselves. I guess, uh, Krishna, you can go first. Hi, my name is Krishna. I'm a peer ed from CAPS. Uh, I'm a broadcast. <laughs> I'm a broadcast media major, also minoring in international relations. Hello, I'm <laughs> Sophia. I'm a peer ed too. Uh, my major is psych. <laughs> Hello there, my name is Yusuf. I'm a peer ed and I'm also a Model United Nations delegate. Happy to be here today. All right, that's great. So what's Model UN? Just straight to the bat, because I have, I, cause I've been explained kind of what it is. I understand what United, what the United Nations are, um, but I don't get it. So go ahead and just anyone, any one of you, just force food, force feed, spoon feed? Force feed yeah, spoon feed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, what Model United Nations is, is essentially just simulating what the United Nations is or what it's supposed to be. So essentially, we emulate like actual delegates, we play the part of diplomats, and we try and negotiate international solutions to global problems, and we try to reach a good conclusion at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a way to uh, idealize what the UN should be, to like foster communication, interaction, cooperation, and friendship overall. Friendship overall? Yeah. Like friendship between nations? Like our comrades, yeah. our, our colleagues. <laughs> yeah, but, like try to work together to get like one solution that's good for everyone. It's all about I'm um, trying to abandon our self-interest and trying to compromise on a solution. And when it comes to MUN, MUN is typically a competition, but we still try and uphold those ideals as much as we can because at the end of the day, that's the only way you get your committee moving. It's the only way you get solutions out. And it's the only way you actually work through the challenges you face. So it teaches you a lot. Okay. So then let, um, how about this? Go, each of you just go off and tell me your experience um, or what you've like done with one. Okay. So um, I guess the role that I've been playing at Mun so far is that at first I was just a participant on the team, but now when I'm in Mun, I get to play the mediator. I get to play the communicator, the diplomat. I get to so make up, sure that's the mediator. What is that? 
What's a mediator? So a mediator is essentially, a lot of people have different interests. And I guess a lot of the problems in society source from the fact that we can't communicate those interests and we can't even compromise on solutions properly, which in the end leads to like so much conflict, both like whether you're, it's domestically between two people or internationally between nations. And so I guess when it's mine, I get to fill those shoes. I get to make sure that these interests are communicated, they find a common ground and that we can get through problems and find solutions that benefit everybody at the end of the day. And it's really fulfilling, quite honestly. Okay. How about you, Sophie? So I started when I was very young. I started when I was around 12 years old. So I started being part of MUN. I started as a delegate. And then... At 12? Yeah. Okay. I started as a delegate. And then I was secretary. I was vice president, president of committee. And then my senior year in high school, I was the general secretary of the whole model in my school and in other schools. So that's the experience that I had. I stopped doing it two years ago when I graduated high school. But I think I, I want to start doing it again in college because I know that the experience is different. But yeah, that's the experience that I had. So you stopped in high school. So you did it in high school? I stopped school. when I graduated in 2018. Yeah. 2018. So then, so you did junior MUN or just MUN, just straight up MUN? MUN. MUN. Okay, so there's no junior MUN. It's just MUN. Okay. Mm-hmm um wow at 12 that's wild i okay all right a regular old greta all right so how about how about you krishna well okay i'm gonna give a slightly different answer i feel like right now where i'm at in mun i definitely feel my role being played with um the new girls within mun we we're like you know our own little team i love them and i feel like right now i honestly I just want to see them flourish because I feel like with a lot of us we are very intelligent like on our own but I think sometimes we struggle like being loud or just being heard or having a voice so honestly I would like or at least my role I feel as though now is to really help and support them and really anyone else who comes onto the team and to see where their strengths are and let them you know, work upon that and feel like they can fulfill like their truest, highest form. Okay. But okay, so each of you are peer educators, obviously. Ha. So tell me how you're, um, have you applied like the things that you've learned as a peer educator, right? During your time at MUN and then like vice versa. Um, so I guess what I've learned as a peer ed is a lot of our training has to do with helping those who are in much more painful, much more unfortunate places people who are going through a lot of personal strife. So that teaches you a lot of compassion, a lot of empathy. It teaches you how to communicate, how to see the good in people and how to help them to realize their potential. So taking that and applying it to MUN means that I'm able to see where where somebody's strengths are, where somebody's weaknesses are, where their difficulties are and empower them and try and help them through the difficulties they're facing and to like nourish their talents and to make sure that they're being or trying to be their best self. And I guess also when it comes to compassion, I can understand the difficulties they're going through. I can understand why something's making them anxious or depressed or making them feel like self-doubtful. And I can communicate, I can communicate that and help them through that and help them realize their better selves at the end of the day. For me, the experience was the opposite because I did MUN before starting to be a peer ed. Okay. So MUN taught me a lot of things that now I apply as a peer ed. Okay. First of all, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even be working as a period educator without having the opportunity to be part of MUN because mm-hmm. I was a shy person and I didn't like to public speak a lot. And then because of MUN, I became confident on myself and like I started 
giving speeches and these kind of things. And this is the main. This was the main reason why. First of all, when I saw the opportunity of this job of teaching people things and like talking to people and public speaking, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. So Mon taught me that kind of things that now I apply. Besides everything that Yusuf was talking about of compassion and trying to learn how to understand people. I learned that in mine and now I try to apply it in my job. Yeah, so for mine and being a peer ed, they both um, contain a lot of components on their own, but for sure, like mine, it's primarily an intellectual academic space. And then being a peer ed, you operate from a, you know, emotion, it requires a lot of emotional intelligence. So both of them benefit each other and complement each other very much so because okay. it's really awesome. Complement each other, but don't, they don't clash because you're talking about logic and emotion, right? No, I think they most definitely can complement each other. I think okay. having emotional intelligence is so important. And that's really cool that I can learn that from being a peer ed, learning how to talk about people who have experienced victimization. It's a very heavy topic and not a lot of people can speak about that. So, you know, carrying that into one, you know, even though we're, we're talking about world issues, we're getting into politics, but there's people behind the politics. There's people behind the policy. So keeping that in mind as you give those speeches, it's a far more impactful and powerful when you keep the humanity in mind. You don't get so caught up into here are the policies, here are the politics of what's going on internationally. No, there are people, there are citizens being affected. And that is a stance I can probably take because of being a peer ed. Okay. But uh, so tell me some of the challenges that you guys have faced as, um, you know, you go through the normal motions of like working as both. Um, I guess some challenges in general in both opportunities. And I guess for Sophie, um, well, actually, Sophie, that's very interesting to me that you said that um, before I get even into the challenges, I want to comment on what something you said. It was interesting to me that you said that without one, you wouldn't be able to join this. So my question is, for, for Yusuf and Krishna, did you do one first or did you do this first? Um, I had taken part in a few conferences, but they were like, they weren't a club per se. They were just a few conferences that you attended once a year. I did that before and I can't say it was too impactful. It definitely introduced me to talking about politics, international issues, but it wasn't exactly transformative, I would say. It just taught me how to be a much more proficient public speaker. Okay, did you do this first or did you do MUN first? I was, yeah, I was a peer ed first. This is my first semester, so. So tell me, tell me about that real quick because Sophie has an opposite story. Do you feel that being a peer ed helped you get into MUN? Or how do, how, do you, how do you feel about it? Just How did that work for me? I felt like, okay, I was so nervous for the auditions. I had to remind myself, I'm like, hey, as a period, you got to do like a 50 minute, it's, a, like, it's like a monologue. You're doing like a 50 minute presentation. I'm like, I told myself, I'm like, girl, you know, you've done, you've done this before. You can do it again. Just get up in front of these really smart people that are very intimidating and just speak. So I kept telling myself, I'm like, I've done this before. It's fine. Like, it's okay. I do this. I get paid for this. I'm okay. Okay. All right. So then going back to challenges, um, I guess I'll start with Yusuf. What have been some of the challenges that you faced? Definitely challenges that I face as being a delegate in the Model United Nations is first working under time constraints. And this kind of plays into like mental health because it puts immense amounts of pressure on to you to deliver quality, professional, even world standard work in very short amounts of time. Like we're supposed to create groups and form a dynamic under five minutes or like complete entire resolutions under 15. So it definitely teaches you how to manage your stress 
And I guess another challenge that I would see would be self-confidence because you have to, Krishna was absolutely right, you have to go up and present in a very confident manner to all these intelligent people who have known this field for years. And it makes you quite doubtful of yourself. So that definitely intimidated me so much at first. It still does to this day. All right, Krishna, how about your challenges as a peer educator? Challenges of being a peer ed? Yeah. Again, you know, when you're speaking upon like very heavy topics, you kind of have to fill up your tank before, especially like, you know, for example, giving a 50 minute presentation, like the vet presentation, um, you know, you're talking about rape, you're talking about sexual assault for like an extended period of time. And like, you know, even for myself, like it, it can, you know, when you're so tied to it, it does can take a bit of a toll, but it's important to remind yourself why you're doing it. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? Um, who is it for? And then also being able to learn to establish a little bit of an emotional distance from it. So you're able to present the information clearly and effectively. And that same thing applies for Mun as well. Okay. How about you, Sophie? Okay. So for me, I think that Mun taught me a lot of things that I can use right now as a peer ed to like get over all of the challenges that I can face. Because the challenges with Mun were more like, time-based and things like like Yusuf was saying about working under pressure and like having to present the things as best as possible in that time that you have and then try to give speeches without being actually ready to do so like sometimes you just have some points about what you want to say and then you have to just stand up and speak for 10 minutes without even being sure about what you are actually saying and just try to present it in the best way possible so I think that that's, that was a challenge for sure, but that's something that I've been able to use now as a peer ed, because sometimes we are doing tabling events and people come by and ask you things that at the beginning, you don't really know how to react. But like, I think that that has created a problem for me too as a peer ed, because I learned to talk in a really formal way and mm -hmm. to present everything as a speech. And now when I'm doing tabling events or things like that, people always think that I'm too serious. And I'm like, no, I'm not too serious. I'm so sorry that like, that, that's not what I wanted to be. Like, you know, so I don't know. It's, that's pretty much it. So how do you feel like your experiences in both areas, right? Has made you kind of like a better person and kind of like affected your mental health, right? In a positive way, or maybe even a negative way. I think both of them have affected my mental health in a positive way, for sure. Man, with time management. I would say that was the most important thing because during high school, I had high school in Colombia. I did high school in Colombia mm -hmm. and it works really different from how it works in, in the United States. So we had many, 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 many things to do. And we had a lot of work all the time. But besides that, I had money. So I could save until 3 a.m. every day studying and preparing my speeches and preparing everything that I wanted to do because I wanted to do it. So I learned how to manage my time. And that's something that I use nowadays. And it's really, really great to know how to do it. So that's one thing that mom gave me besides learning how to talk to people, learning how to work as a, in a group and like trying to understand someone else's point of view. Cause sometimes we just close ourselves to what we think and we try to convince everyone else about that. But we don't really think about what the other person can be feeling. And that is something that working as a peer ed has taught me too. To try to put myself in the other person's shoes, but try not to let the other person's feeling like affect what I'm trying to do. 
So understand, but not letting that thing affect me so I can present what I want to do. Understanding, but not letting it like ruin what I want to say, you know? Definitely has challenged me. I would say both has challenged me. But I think, you know, you can either see challenges as like roadblocks or opportunities to grow and to overcome. So I think in respect to Mun, what I struggle with and what I still struggle with is imposter syndrome feeling like I'm not, I'm not one of these people or like, I'm, you know, like, oh, I am not like them. I won't, I can't be like them, but it's, it's not my job to be like them. It's my job is to be like me and to be my truest self. Right. And then with being a peer ed, I would say in a similar sense, the difference with being a peer ed, like I, it's what Sophie who said earlier, it's the impromptu, like speaking to so many people at a tailing event and then and trying to manage your energy for like the full five hours. Like sometimes it's like four to five hardships and you still have to be like, you know, some type of charismatic or charming for like the entirety of it and not letting your energy drop. Like nobody wants to come to a table and see like, you know, someone's bum, you know, looking face. It, no. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a lot of emotional regulation, energy regulation. Okay. So what are your thoughts on mental health? For me, a healthy person is formed by a healthy like body and then mental health, right? So you have physical health and you have mental health. So for me, physical health is just the way in which mental health manifests. So you are going to manifest who you are, your behaviors, how, like the way in which you understand the world through your healthy body. So, you know, for me, everything starts with mental health. So mental health is basically everything. Your state of mind, how you understand the world, how you see yourself, how you see others, how you can interpret behavior, how you analyze behavior and how you create your own behavior. It's basically everything. It's who you are. And then you show who you are through your body so it's like physical and mental create the whole person but mental is bigger than physical for me having a healthy mental health if that makes sense i don't know i'm not a i'm not a mun person so i'm not very <laughs> i can't come up here and do a speech but um i think it really has to do a lot with how you process things how you understand yourself um not only how you look but how you feel how you think and understanding who you are and being okay with that and being able to improve on the certain aspects that you might not really like too much about yourselves and accepting the other parts that maybe you don't like right now, right? So maybe you think you gotta, I don't know, you think you think too much, right? So and I think instead of trying to fight that and trying to fight this, oh, you know, like I think too much, I think too much, I think too much. I think for me, mental health would be accepting that you're a deep thinker or you have many thoughts and instead of having those those um those thoughts torment you accept them and embrace them and mold them into something more healthy people think that mental health is simply a state of how you're feeling right now so for instance are you happy are you sad and they would attribute mental health to that but i think it goes back very much to what you said that mental health isn't just the ability to like feel okay and to have a pretty positive outlook and relationship with the world with yourself and with others but it's also the ability to overcome adversity and the constant stressors and challenges that we feel in this world in a positive and healthy way. You know, when we think about who is a mentally healthy person, what is mental health? I think a lot of people, first thing comes into their mind is happiness. But I, I think happiness is overrated. Um, it's quite superficial. And 
the heights of joy can only be as grand as the depths of gratitude. So I think... She's a poet too. Okay. <laughs> I think... We, we shouldn't be so concerned with living just a mere pleasant life and only, you know, having a good life is having mostly pleasant feelings. No, um, that gets old after a while. You, you know, absolutely not. I think having depth and having meaning is so much more fulfilling and it's so much more long lasting than just a quick, you know, let me just feel some type of I just want to feel like happy right now. Like, no, like it, it should have meaning. It should have depth. And especially if you want to achieve that, then altruism and any type of philanthropy has been shown to really increase that and to have like, to feel healthy mentally. I think it's to give and to grow. That's how you live a healthy and fulfilling life. And this ties in with mental health and feeling good about yourself. It's growing, feeling like you're actualizing yourself and then giving to other people, being altruistic and being philanthropic and having philanthropy in your heart. Okay. Wow. That's quite the uh, response, Ms. Cohen. Um, but all right. I mean, I mean that, that kind of, kind of wraps up our podcast now, doesn't it? Does anyone have any, uh, any final thoughts on the subject? I'm not in mental health, anything that you feel like maybe, I don't know, it's worth mentioning. Honestly, I think basically the positive way of going through money and being a delegate kind of embodies what it means to have like a mentally healthy approach to life because there are going to be an infinite amount of challenges. Each and every single day is nothing but a nonstop array of challenges and adversity and things you have to overcome and beat. And I guess to be able to do that in a positive manner, in a way that doesn't strike you down, leave you scarred, leave you tired or drained, that's what it means to be mentally healthy in the day, to take all these adversities, no matter how many they are, no matter how difficult they are, and to be able to use them in a positive manner at the end of the day. So I guess that's kind of the intersection between money and mental health. Okay. And if no one has anything else to say with that, we'll be closing. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, thank you for tuning into this podcast. Uh, loyal viewers. <laughs> um, two or three that we got. You don't know. Maybe we got more than two or three. <laughs> I hope we got more than two or three. I didn't put on this turtleneck for no reason. All right. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys for joining me. Um, and that is a, uh, a wrap. Thank you for listening to PeerCast. This podcast is brought to you by Florida International University's Counseling and Psychological Services Department, as well as the Victim Empowerment Program. This episode was originally published on April 28th. These episodes are recorded via Zoom, and the video version is on our Instagram page. Please follow us at FIU underscore VEP. You can also check out our online self-help resources for more information at caps.fiu.edu. Okay, cool. Thank you. So, again, it's very hot inside this thing. Dude, I literally have the AC on in the back, and then I have a fan sat right here targeted directly at my face. Like, literally. I'm not even kidding. I'm a foreskin. <laughs> <laughs>